This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's Friday. My name is Jeff Sandu. On last week's MSP, Matt Amatej had a brainwave. Generally speaking, these are dangerous things accompanied by considerable suffering for other people. This one, if it works, is likely to be no more than a crime against taste. Yes, today we're talking about the 80s, the decade that just won't quit. So Matt, the 80s. I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Um, I was there for pretty much all of it, but sometimes it kind of feels like I'm still there. I walk into stores and they're selling clothes like the ones that looked terrible on me 30 years ago. (laughs) And look worse now. Well, yeah, because back then we hadn't added lycra to everything. So now I just end up looking like one of those neon caricatures that you see in sweatsuits and headbands in like comedies on TV. Mm. I should advise you that your use of the word neon is being strictly monitored for this show. And rightly so. Um, I've got to say that it's probably one of my favourite things about the the decade, the total absence of colour sense that I still uh, display today. Uh, That's why I force myself to wear mostly black and navy clothes, because if I'm left to choose the things I want to wear, I end up looking like one of those orphan balls of Play-Doh with all the different colours smooshed together. So probably it's best that, you know, I barely leave the house anymore. But these Cultural revivals are actually nothing new. I mean, we recycle fashions and tastes all the time, but usually those revivals are pretty short-lived. You know, a spring and summer fashion collection, a movie remake or two, maybe a few song covers or samples. You know, normally it's just uh, a flash in the pan. The culture moves on. But the weird thing about the 80s is it just won't move on. In what sense? Well, we were announcing and celebrating the 80s revival in the early noughties. And it's never really stopped. Uh, Pretty much every TV show and movie from the 80s that you can think of has been remade. Charlie's Angels, Dynasty, 21 Jump Street, Starsky and Hutch, The A-Team, Ghostbusters. You know, that list of etc, etc goes on and on forever. Uh, This year was supposed to be the year that Top Gun made its high altitude comeback. I don't know when we'll see that movie now. But it seems like there's no stone of 80s pop culture that hasn't been given another go around. Even the games have come back. Well, not just the games, even the music for the games. I mean, we had stuff like the 8-bit chip music scene that emulated the kind of music that you'd get in uh, video games and consoles in the 1980s. And that's weird because the music sounded pretty much like this. Now, that, of course, was the Super Mario Brothers main theme for the Nintendo Entertainment System back in 1985. And that is literally the sound of nightmares. Yet chip music was huge for about 30 seconds in probably the mid-noughties. But even that's back. The remix is being remixed. The chiptune scene has even been profiled for sites like Vice. The home of the middle-aged male. Well, exactly, but... While we've seen the 80s nostalgia ebb and flow, it's never really gone away. It's 2020. You know, the 80s lasted for 10 years, but the revival has lasted for 20. And that's really strange because it makes you wonder, what are we actually celebrating? That's why I mentioned the chiptune scene. Uh, The music, whether you call it 
chip music, synth wave, dark wave, it seems to be looping that revival from the early noughties and adding an extra dollop of 80s day glow every time it comes back. Mm. And, and this is where uh, shows like Stranger Things come in. Well, yeah, we've seen this wave of culture that goes way beyond pastiche. Uh, Amazon had a show, uh, it's now cancelled, but it was picture perfect 1980s. It was uh, called Red Oaks. It was set in a New Jersey country club, I think, and a good chunk of the uh, episodes were directed by Hal Hartley, one of the go-to indie filmmakers of the late 80s and the 90s. But Stranger Things, I think, does something else. It's actually more 80s than the 80s ever were. In what way? Well, when you go back and watch something like um, E.T., which Stranger Things is, you know, obviously an an analogue of, E.T. looks a bit weird and dated. It looks like a kind of washed out version of the 1980s. Whereas Stranger Things is the version of the 80s that I have in my head. It's what I remember movies like Weird Science or Lost Boys looked like, rather than what they actually look like when I watch them back. Uh, There was a Netflix show that came out last year, uh, Daybreak, that recycled every single 80s teen movie cliché. You had the jocks and the nerds and all the other social groups in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. You had the Red Dawn referencing, you know, the kids are going to save the world kind of motifs. You had the you had the Mad Max cannibals in leather fetish wear. You had the outsider skater hero. It was a giant Ferris Bueller tribute with a zombie backdrop, with Ferris himself, Matthew Broderick, flipping his role to become the evil school principal. Now, the show wasn't always great, but it was always absolutely amazing to look at. But sadly, you know, it was cancelled after just one season. Hmm. Perhaps because teen comedies that appeal to the middle-aged men are a little... Well, you know, you don't have to finish that sentence um, because I get where you're going. And you're right, you know, we'll get to that. But we're even seeing that 80s aesthetic popping up in other shows. Uh, Look at the neon wasteland of 2011's Hobo with a Shotgun, starring Rutger Hauer, where most things are monochrome and washed out, apart from the day-glow graph on the walls of almost every shot. And then there are the uh, time travel shows. Mm. Time travel shows? Well, they're set now, but everything looks like it was from the 1980s. So there's the end of the world. It's not at the neon end of the spectrum. It's at the kind of beige jumper, dull sitcom end of the 80s rainbow with a heavy dash of Twin Peaks sprinkled into season two. Uh, Its anti-heroes are outsiders. They're disconnected from today's world. So it doesn't seem weird to them that they inhabit these kind of fringes of society, the decaying pubs and cafes and diners with interiors that haven't been updated since, you know, about 1982. Because those places do exist, you know, especially, as I said, on those kind of marginal edges of society. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have shows like Sex Education, another high school type show, but it's firmly rooted in today, you know, smartphones, insecurities. But visually, the references are all 1980s. The kids wear bright neon clothing, the girls have big hair, they ride around on vintage racing bikes, and their parents only drive vintage or rather terrible 1980s cars so you have this weird juxtaposition going on Mm. so today is an exercise in 80s pop culture references that you like do you think this show could ever be that (laughs) self-indulgent
Okay, maybe we're a little bit self-indulgent. Last week when we talked about generations, you know, we talked about them getting stuck. How everyone below the age of 40 is somehow a millennial. And this 80s culture loop seems to mirror that same trend. Mm, This is where you blame everything on Gen X again. Uh, Probably. You know, we touched on my generation being the first one to avoid growing up. Uh, While I was preparing the notes for this show, I was listening to an Apple radio show, The Echo Chamber, hosted by former Beastie Boy Mike D. The guests on that show were his uh, Beastie Boy partner, Ad-Rock, and the public enemy frontman, Chuck D. Now... Mike D and Adrock are roughly my age. Chuck D is almost 60. Uh, And they were there talking about hip-hop culture and its origins. And the show was really fantastic. But you ask yourself, should it be? You know, has my generation, the, the Xers, done this enormous brainwashing act on Generations Y and Z. Because you never grew up. Well, kind of. You know, the 80s was our decade. It was a decade of VHS tapes, skate videos, Duran Duran and hair metal. Uh, Like I said, bad clothes and cheap hairspray, video games, sneakers and comics. You know, there's that old saying about your pop culture references stopping at the point where you have kids. So you have a generation of pop culture nerds who never really got beyond the the kind of grunge movement of the 90s. So have we imprinted our tastes so heavily on the next two generations that everything is being seen through this prism of 80s culture? So, you know, are we only going to see real cultural change with the generation alphas and betas? You can kind of see it in a sense, you know, when you find your way into the world of alt TikTok, there are no real grounding points. It feels to me a bit like punk did in the 1970s. It's that conscious rejection of the culture that came before it, kind of all the culture that came before it. So it's not just a reinvention, it's actually a new starting point. Doesn't that make you sad? No, because the 80s were actually awful, which we'll talk about more after the break. You know, it wasn't cool or retro. It was just a time where stuff didn't really work. I enjoy all of the modern interpretations of 80s culture way more than the stuff that actually came out at the time. Uh, The Canadian show Slasher is a great example. It's a lot more fun than the actual 80s slasher flicks. Uh, Florence and the Machine and The Killers nail that kind of kitchen sink 80s pop perfectly without having that kind of tinny, lumpen quality that a lot of the real 1980s pop actually has. And, you know, admittedly, I'm biased. I don't spend a lot of time looking back. I always want to know what comes next. Mm. Was anything better than that it is now? Sure, some of the snacks were, but only because we used to pack them with carcinogens. You know, I always laugh when people say that it's a a travesty that the formulation of newspaper ink changed because it changed the taste of the food that was wrapped in it. Our food should not be flavoured with newspaper ink. Um, You know, people always say things like, well, it never did me any harm. No, you developed emphysema, diabetes and obesity entirely independently of your teenage lifestyle. You know, you are literally living the 80s dream. Mm. Anyways, uh, when we come back, the MSP diary of a 1980s survivor. We'll be right back, BFM 89.9. Benchmark for managers, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back. It is Fun Friday with me, Jeff Sandu, together with Culture Pop's Matt Armitage. Now, before the break, we were talking about neon jumpsuits and somehow ended up at obesity and diabetes. Matt, is it fair to say that you weren't a fan of the 1980s? Well, dear diary, um, no, I, I do get that reaction. You know, I've had people say to me that it must have been so awesome to have experienced that decade. And no, it really, really wasn't. You know, the 90s were a lot more interesting for me because that's where I really see the, the bedrock for where we are now starting to, to coalesce. But we'll come back to the 90s on uh, another of these special episodes. Um, do you know what happened when I turned the TV on? like first thing in the morning when I was a kid? No idea. Nothing. You'd turn the TV on and you'd get this weird thing called the test card, this large circle surrounded by multicolored squares that was designed to help you get good color calibration on your TV. In the center, there was this nightmarish vision of a young girl clutching a demonic clown doll playing noughts and crosses on a blackboard. So you'd wake up on a Saturday morning, you'd put the TV on and that evil creature would inhabit your living room until the kids' TV shows finally started at, you know, roughly 9.30am. So you wonder why the 80s was full of slasher horror movie flicks like Friday the 13th. It's that test card picture. You know, you ask yourself, why has my generation not grown up? Because we were too terrified to sleep. Years of insomnia have left us emotionally underdeveloped and totally infantile. But surely it must have been exciting to be around at the dawn of the personal computing revolution. Well, sure. I mean, my brothers and I had a, a ZX Spectrum, which was, uh, you know, something we used like 99% of kids just for playing games. Some of them were cool. My favourite was Jetpack. You didn't do much. You just flew around bursting bubbles. I guess you might call that a, a formative experience for me. Uh, but you didn't just play a game. You know, you had to plan to play a game because it could take you half a day just to load the game up. Because they were on cassettes. Yeah, you know, you connected a tape player to the computer and loaded the game in as sound. Uh, early dial-up modems worked in the same way. The data was transferred to the computer's memory as tones. And even those very basic games were really slow. My Spectrum had a massive 48K of RAM. And if the computer didn't hear the game properly, it would crash and you'd have to start over. So on a good day, it would take you 15 to 20 minutes to load the game. That would be one attempt. And of course, you know, like all cassettes, they stretch, they get damaged. The more times they're used, they literally wear out. So cassettes of your favorite games might be subject to dropouts, especially when they were pre uh, printed onto very cheap tapes. Mm. Presumably the same thing happened to music. Well, yeah, you know, the Walkman was the first portable music source. So you can go back and listen to MSP85 if you want to hear me waxing lyrical about the, the Walkman and the Discman and uh, portable music. But, you know, those cassettes, great as they were, were a really weak link. As I said, they broke, they stretched, they got tangled up. I don't know anyone of my age who hasn't spent hours spooling tape with a pencil because some cheap player snarled it up and spilt it all over the floor. So when you compare it to what we have now, technology in the 80s really was terrible. <laughs> you really just mean smartphones, don't you? Well, in a way, you know, I have very few photos of myself as a child, um, partly because I'm a vampire, <laughs> but mostly because when you're using film, you really have to know what you're doing with a camera. If you look at a random sample of anyone's, 
you know, smartphone or digital photos, you'll see that most people do not know how to use a camera, even slightly. So when you go to people's houses and they show you their print photo albums, the photos in those albums represent about 0.3% of the photos that were actually <laughs> taken. Uh, all the others were overexposed or cut off someone's head or the photographer forgot to wind the film on and ended up taking multiple shots on the same frame. People love film cameras. I love film cameras, but they're best as a wild card. You know, your smartphone is a much better backup because you get to do it over. Hmm. What about the people who say that's too immediate, that you end up taking pictures that are irrelevant? Well, the problem with memories is they're not something that you curate in advance. You know, you don't get two weeks warning that you're about to experience a precious moment. At the very least, you want the image to approximate the scene it's capturing. If the blurring is so bad that you can't tell your Aunt Carol from a crow, then you've completely wasted your time. And as for sharing saucy shots, you know, good luck. You know, if you tried anything like that with a film camera in the 80s, you were likely to get arrested when you picked up the prints from the Photoshop. All right. Do you want to talk about uh, the 80s food? Well, look, I grew up in the UK in the 1980s. It's taken me years and years of therapy to forget the food. Uh, most of it came in bright colours. Um, being highly processed was actually a badge of honour. Uh, if the food had any nutritional value, it was probably a state secret. You know, in the UK, you didn't eat your food until it had surrendered to you. Uh, I remember going on a school exchange to France in my teens and being astonished by baguettes and pâté. Do you know how deprived your palate has to be to be impressed by pâté? So people in the 80s did not take photos of their meals. They just wanted to forget them. For the sake of our younger listeners, how did people without smartphones make plans? You just waited. Uh, if it was for a night out, you know, you'd call around on the landline. Uh, you might get someone's answer phone if they were particularly wealthy and tech savvy. And you'd make your plans to meet at a certain place at a certain time. If you moved on from there before everyone else arrived, well, you might leave a message with the bar staff or the cafe owner. Uh, if they were particularly helpful or knew you, they might tell your friends where you were headed to next. You could spend half your night tracking your friends down, popping into all the places you thought they might go. You know, you made plans and you simply trusted that people would turn up. And if they didn't, you just carried on without them. There was none of this, you know, text me when you get home so I know you're safe. You'd meet your friend the following Friday night and you'd find out they were mugged on the way home. They lay in an alley all night and spent the rest of the week in the emergency room. There was none of this hashtag thoughts and prayers. It's just a, well, you look all right now. What do you want to drink? <laughs> you make it sound like the Stone Age. Well, you know, it wasn't that it seemed difficult or backwards at the time because that was the reality. It was just how we did things. You know, we didn't have an alternative. But it's very different from the rosy image of the 90s that we see reflected back in the pop culture today. You know, when someone makes a phone call and the friend is just waiting there by the phone, that never happened. You would call a dozen times and speak to their really angry father. So that's why I say this remix of 80s culture um, is something that I enjoy a lot more than the reality. I get to enjoy what we have now, which is music and movies and TV on demand. You know, I've got pretty much close to all the world's information in my hands at an instant, not just from the three books I was allowed to borrow from the public library at any one go. 
I get to look at information from multiple angles and perspectives. I get to make up my own mind about it. Is it perfect? No, of course it isn't. And that's why I'm always looking forward to what comes next. But is it better? Yes, millions of times in millions of ways. I mean, right now, we're not even in a studio together. We talk over the phone. I send my recording to you over the internet in a few seconds and you put it together. How can you not be impressed by that? So you really do want the 80s to end? I really do. I mean, when you get to the remix of the remix of the remix, <laughs> yes, it gets really meta, but it's also a little bit dull. You know, my mum keeps telling me how much she hates the phrase, the new normal. She can't wait for things to get back to the old normal. But I never want the old normal. I hope that something else comes out of all of this. Not a new normal, but a different reality. Sure, you know, it can borrow elements of the 80s and the 90s. It can borrow the 1730s for all I care. You know, but I think we start to, we do need rather to see some different touch points. A new way of, of looking at creativity and art and content creation. Mm. But will you be able to understand it? Hopefully not. You know, if I can't understand it, that probably means it's working. Uh, I'm already totally lost when I look at TikTok, which is actually fun. It forces me to change my thinking, to try and understand. Cultural progression may be weird, but generally it's a healthy thing. You know, there's a fine line between continuity and stagnation. So I look forward to becoming completely irrelevant because pop culture will march on. I'll still be there wearing shocking green prints and patterned board shorts, so you don't have to. You, you, you just want to stand out. That's, that's the whole reason here. I know, and that's the irony. I, I can only stand out at home right now. <laughs> Man, Avatage there talking about the 1980s and he desperately wants it to end. Uh, if you missed any parts of this show, you can download the podcast available now on the BFM website or the BFM app. We'll be right back with Geek Squawks after this. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.